Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh yes, my friends. It's about the 100th and 23rd show that I've done with Hayden Winks, but it's a start of a new day. Some say a new era. Charles McDonald, Forverts, my longtime like in real life friend, now turned digital friend. Charles, how are you? Wow, that sounds like a demotion. (laughs) (laughs) And we even live in the same city now, which I only found out a couple weeks ago. Uh, But yeah, it's been great. I mean, uh, I feel like the NFL wanted to make this onboarding week as you know, head spinning as possible because I'm doing like orientation stuff and seeing Russell Wilson, uh, Noah fan, Aaron Rodgers stuff. But yep. it's glad to be talking ball because honestly, I haven't done anything in like a month. Like I didn't even really cover the Super Bowl. So it's good to get back in the swing of things. We had our meeting. We we're like, oh, Charles, we'll go like a week or two. Probably won't have to do anything. And all of a sudden, everybody gets <laughs> yeah. you're one of your favorite players gets suspended. The whole thing is just like out oh, of control within a couple of days. Yeah, Part of me wishes time. we could spend like 15 minutes just diving into everything you've done over the last month, just like, you know, picking apart, deciding what it does about you. But uh, maybe that's for another time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really don't think it'd be that interesting. Uh, I, I picked up Mass Effect for the first time. Okay. Uh, I got to like level 500 on Call of Duty with some of my friends. Like, I really didn't do anything. All right. Well, Hayden, I've been working during that time. We're going to do some work today as well. This is our show. Let's just pick a number. I don't know the 10 available free agents out there that we think can make impacts on teams ahead of the 2022 season. We actually saw it with the Rams. We see it with the Bengals with shorter term contracts. I really, these players in the first, second, even third wave of free agency can make huge, huge impacts. We'll probably lean more towards, you know, the running back wide receiver, tight end quarterback variety. And before we get there, there's been a number of players that are like on the top of lists out there that will no longer be in this conversation. Likes of Devontae Adams franchise tagged, Mike Kosicki franchise tagged, Dalton Schultz, David Njoku, Orlando Brown, Jesse Bates, Cam Robinson left tackle for now with the Jaguars, uh, Chris Godwin, and then Mike Williams, Hayden, got a new three-year contract. Anything you want to say about those names before we move on to who actually is out there and available? For me, it's it's Mike Williams and Chris Godwin. We we felt pretty comfortable that Chris Godwin was going to be returning. We have no idea what the quarterback situation, so it's kind of hard to like rank him in fantasy. But Mike Williams, I feel very confident ranking him in fantasy. He's going way too low. He's like in the fifties and sixties in fantasy. Like I have him actually ranked ahead of Keenan Allen. I thought Keenan Allen was a little maybe a step slower. His numbers are kind of falling off a little bit, and they just paid Mike Williams a bunch of money and. 
Um, I can just see his role just staying as good as it was last year. So uh, out of like today's big news, I think the Mike Williams extension was one of the, the uh, most underrated ones. And I think I'm going to be super aggressive um, for fantasy on him. Hmm. Charles, any of those names stand out to you? I mean, Mike Kosicki and David and Joker are two ones that I'll get to in a moment. Yeah, those were confusing, as were there were two others that I thought confusing that aren't really fantasy relevant. But Cam Robinson getting tagged, which I, I found that pretty baffling because he's not really like a, a player that you got to keep. And I'm pretty sure this is the second year in a row that they've it is. Him. It's expensive. Uh, yeah, so that's an expensive contract uh, for a tackle that's not very good. I mean, you're going to be paying him like top three, top five money. Uh, at the end of the day and that's just like horrible value on that contract and uh, Jesse Bates getting franchise tag was I I feel like that's not a good step for the Bengals like to be here Mm -hmm. you finally have one of these young players that has you know basically by his draft status he's overachieved in every sense of the word and you get to the payday and it still feels like you're the same old Bengals you were just in the Super Bowl dude like it it, I don't know it was kind of disappointing to me because I feel like you have a chance to to really change the culture there and not have people think like, oh, that's Mike Brown. That's the cheap Bengals team. But they're still kind of here in some sense. Yeah. And I, I'm assuming that they might have to change like the structure of how they do things in order to attract more and more free agents. We were hearing this at the NFL Combine um, that they want to be like now a destination for free agents to come into. But I think a major part of that is the rest of the franchise around the league are like changing the structure where it's like more contract and, and player friendly versus team friendly. And as you alluded to the Bengals forever, just <laughs> absolutely have not done that at all. Yeah. And so they're going to like, again, to your point to take that next step and to not have to hit on a bunch of these middling free agents and play at the top of their game, they're going to have to be and, and change the ways that they've done for the last decade or so. Um, quickly on, on Gasickian and Joku first and Joku um, the Browns almost certainly are going to lose out on Jarvis Landry during this next few weeks as well. We know that they traded Odell Beckham. So a lot of people with the franchise tag of David Joker, which is like $11 million, thought that that might mean like the, the end of the Austin Hooper era. But I know Jeremy Fowler went out there and said, no, it's it's absolutely, they're going to play together. Uh, makes sense in the regard that it's like 22% and 12 personnel last year, 16% in three tight end looks. I mean, literally, Charles, zero wide receivers on the roster with, Again, Jarvis Landry gone, Odell gone. It's like Donovan Peoples-Jones and so on and so forth. So I guess from that standpoint with Kevin Stefanski and how he calls plays and personnel groupings, this is a move that makes sense. But is it from like what Njoku has put out there on the field? Yeah, I feel like it, it, it only makes sense to me like from a philosophical sense. Like, oh, you know, Kevin Stefanski likes to run a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends. Here's two starting caliber tight ends. But the value on this is is not good. Uh, I mean, Austin Hooper, who I, I thought was a pretty good tight end in Atlanta, hasn't really done much of anything in Cleveland. Maybe that just wasn't the best fit. Uh, and it's not like David Njoku has been, you know, tearing the stat sheet apart either. So I just find it strange that they have decided, you know, to put this price point on that level of production. And honestly, like it's kind of, it's kind of surprising me based on what, you know, we kind of thought about this Browns front office coming into like when Andrew Barry first got hired. Uh, it didn't really seem like this would be a type of move that he made because I don't really see a way where the value makes sense for them uh, on this move. And it, it's not like that, you know, you franchise David Njoku, you haven't really gotten better at all. Like, cause I think that you could lose him and just replace him with something cheaper and maybe even try to get a quarterback in there. But uh, to me, that's kind of a, a disappointing start to the Browns offseason. If you're a Browns fan and uh, I'm not really even sure how those snap counts are supposed to, you know, 
get divvied out once the season comes, but that's a lot of money for two guys that <laughs> aren't really doing all that much right now. I wonder if this is a signal that Austin Hooper is going to be one of those post June 1st cuts. I know like he's one of those mm. players where the salary cap makes more sense to, to do it later on. Um, so I'm wondering if that's just going to happen later, but I think the other part is just like, they have no one to throw the ball to like no explosive explosiveness at all. So they're going to lose somebody at least with some upside. And he was like one of those young tight ends. I'm sure like there's obviously a very like analytical uh, front office. I wonder if it's just something that they're like, well, young athletic tight end. We know that they're kind of a late developing position. Like let's hold on to him. Cause we know that like Austin Hooper is not going to like change our franchise. So they're just in a bad spot. Like they have just, they don't have any skill talent at, at wide receiver right now. So I guess Ninjoku is like the closest thing that they have like moving forward. You know what it's time for with the Browns? Rebuild, rebuild. I'm I'm there with you. It's time uh, I'm, again. <laughs> I'm assuming that you know they believe the best days are ahead for for Njoku and they'll try to work out a long term deal. But yeah, 11 million dollars this year, and the same number is for Mike Gesicki. And I know you know Mike McDaniel is making us ooh and ah with his unique press conferences. Charles, I'd love to get your take on this at some point and just like <laughs> who he portrays himself out there as. And I understand it even just from like the excitement level from the offense of what he can do with some of the skill position players out there. Jalen Waddle has gotten so much attention and love because of that. Um, Mike Kosicki is now someone who's at least going to be in this roster in 2022. But I, I want to stress that how different of a player he is than George Kittle. Like it's not just a tight end is a tight end. Like this is truly a slot wide receiver and where all 49ers skill position players have thrived have been yards after the catch. We know Jalen Wild can do that very well, but Mike Kosicki the last two years is abysmal in that area, averaging like 3.2 yards after the catch per reception. Compare that to 6.5 for George Kittle, another 6.5 the year before that's second and I believe sixth for Kittle in the last two seasons, that makes Mike Kosicki 41st and 33rd over the last two years. So it's not like a plug and play, always going to play nearly the same exact role. But hey, I'm also of the belief that like, hey, if we believe the words of Mike McDaniel, he's going to use these players to where they win and where they succeed. He's just not going to block like that's just right. Yeah. He's never done that. I mean, the reason why his yards after the catch to be fair to Mike Kosicki, I think he can be a yards after the catch guy. He's just too busy dunking on dudes in the in the red zone, and they kind of use him downfield a little bit more than than George Kittle. But yeah, like any of like the blocking stuff, like you can throw out throw that outside the window. And they, I mean, they had, they're one of these teams that have like four tight ends on their roster. I don't know about like the depth pieces, but like all of those other guys can block a little bit. So I wonder if they're just going to like just change up the offense. We don't we haven't really seen this from um, Mike McDaniel, but we haven't seen Mike McDaniel period. So like I, I don't yeah. know what to yeah. to think at all really outside of the press conferences. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. For Mike McDaniel, he's he's handled all of this, all of this. I mean, very delicately, uh, and I think that he he I think he's, he put it in a way that was, uh, it, he got his point across. But he you also kind of read between the lines where he says, you know, we're gonna have some players that major in one thing and minor in another thing, like see back in college. So you know, when when that's put in the frame of Giuseppe, yeah, that I think you can see what he uh, he's trying to get at there. But it's gonna be interesting to see what they do because you know, like like Josh said, these. Like, Jacecki uh, and Kittle are not even close to the same. I think even Cooper Cup like played closer to the formation than George Kittle uh, than uh, Mike Jacecki did last year. So when Jacecki comes out here and says, "I want the wide receiver tag," I think he's got a better case than Jimmy Graham did, like all the way back, yes. you know, with two, 2010 or whatever that was. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a big slot receiver. But yeah, you know, I, I would still be 
interested in, in seeing what Mike McDaniel has in store for him just because he's like such a rare athlete at that size. Yeah. And there could be some changes for them too with Devontae Parker as we as we go along. Okay. So there's the names off the list. There might be a couple more before free agency actually opens. Just FYI. We'll be here having a whole bunch of instant reaction videos as soon as signings happen out there on Twitter, everything. So be on the lookout. Subscribe to the channel down below because you get to see Charles' pretty face now as well. Okay. Before we go and the quarterback position, because we all looked at that list and it's just not a fun way to start this conversation. Hayden, is, is wide receiver the best place to start here? For sure. And maybe the name that will be at the top of this list isn't technically on there yet because he's still contracted to the Cowboys. But I think once Amari Cooper is off that deal, he instantly becomes the most talented available wide receiver on the market. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not ruling out some type of trade just because he's so damn good. Um, but if not, like I, the Cleveland Browns, like open check, like I, that's the, I think he's just going to get the by far the biggest uh, contract. You're looking at some of these other like receivers that are on the free agent market right now. I'm going to pull it up. Um, it's a lot of like smaller dudes, really like downfield threats at at best. Like maybe Allen Robinson is like somewhat near Amari Cooper, but like Christian Kirk isn't. Uh, Odell is not playing. Uh, for for a bit and like Russell Gage, Cedric Wilson, like it's it's basically Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper. If you need like a legit outside wide receiver, um, if Michael Gallup's standing um, or staying in 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 Dallas, so I think like, he's going to get a huge contract. I I would like him with the Browns, I guess. Maybe there's some other teams uh, out there. Maybe if the, they can swing the Falcons, but it's it's a weird situation. And their agent really screwed him over by restructuring his contract and not getting any guaranteed money. It's probably going to cost Amari like millions of dollars so that's pretty unfortunate there's a few teams at the top that just have a, a true wide receiver need with a bunch of cap space in tow like we just mentioned the miami dolphins they could be on this list the indianapolis colts i mean it's michael Pittman and who else out there like it would really change that offense obviously moving away from carson Wentz, but adding another wide receiver that can win on the outside and the inside and charles we've seen like when amari is is out there i think he is worth just about every single dollar that is is spent on him because he does have, you know, that long speed. And I feel like maybe that's leaned on a bit too much because also like in the isolated route running, especially near the sideline, he's tremendous there too. The issue is just reliability and then being paid like a top three wide receiver because of that reliability. Yeah. And I also think with Amari, I uh, kind of can't forget like the biggest story in the world right now still, or maybe not today, but you know, at least over the past uh, two years with the pandemic, he he got pretty sick at the end of the season. I think he missed um, at least two games, and I think he almost missed a third. And when he came back, I, I to me, he never really looked quite the same. So there's like part of me that's interested in you know seeing what he looks like just a few months removed further from that sickness. But uh, at the same time, you know, if, if, if you're Dallas, it's kind of hard to bank on that because not only have you struggled like with you know stuff when he's healthy, but he didn't play well when he got back from sickness too. And no one knows how long like that could be affecting him uh, just because, you know, we've only been dealing with COVID for a couple of years now. So uh, that that's kind of like a big wild card for me uh, with the Cowboys. And honestly, I kind of get why they're just like, eh. at his best, he's probably worth the money, but we don't even know if that guy exists anymore. Right. Because with that chunk of money, you go and franchise Dalton Schultz and you bring back one of, and if not both, of Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson. And that seems to be their play. It's almost, and this isn't as simplified as this, but a three for one, you know? And and it seems like they really believe that 
CD Lamb can take that next up as the real alpha versus having, you know, the two and, and pairing them together. I just feel like we didn't, they didn't get enough out of that pairing. Like, probably because of the Dak Prescott injury, you know, two seasons ago, because it, that was on pace to, to be a top five passing offense that year. But man, just those two talents together. And I, I kind of fear, Hayden, we talked this on the stream, that Amari's on that Brandon Cooks-like trajectory where he he's impactful. He's a bit unreliable in terms of on the field and, and being available at all times. But there's always going to be a team that believes that they can be hugely, you know, benefited by having him out there and he might still get these huge numbers despite no one agreeing to him for long, long, long-term contracts. Yeah, we just need to get back in the thousand yard mark like Brandon Cooks was doing. I mean, he was pretty True. effective in fantasy for for times in a bad offense. So that might be what Amari Cooper is. Uh, Charles, question for you. How big of a difference between Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson? Like it's two questions. Like it's just like imp- two players. It's like impossible to like gauge their value because they're both really good players when fully healthy. Allen Robinson, I don't know what happened last year. I'm not sure if it was just uh, F the Bears, which like I get. But I think Fair. both of them are going to get paid a ton of money just because I'm like looking down the rest of this list, like a lot of like twos and threes, at least at their best, those guys can be uh, number one. So I'm expecting a lot of money for both of them. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to be beneficiaries of like just how crappy this uh, free agent market is like at the top. Uh, I think there's some some upside swings like DJ Chalk, but in terms of uh, – Proven guys, I don't, I don't think it, it, it's going to get much better than, uh, you know, Allen Robinson and Amari Cooper. But uh, Allen Robinson, I just, I still just don't understand like what happened here. At least with Amari Cooper, like I can walk myself through the step of, of how we got here. The Cowboys don't want to be here anymore, and they're frustrated with them. Even if I think some of the frustration is a bit much. Uh, with Allen Robinson, it's like he went from being good, and even moments last year with Justin Fields, like there were times where. They looked like they were on the same page totally, and then they had uh, games where it looked like they had never practiced before. So with Allen, I'm not sure if it's like how much of it is injury, him just being tired of the Bears, but it's kind of hard for me to believe that all of that talent has just disappeared and he's uh, someone that's just completely useless now. I don't I don't know if he's going to get like that bag that he was on pace to get if he kept going uh, and, and didn't fall off, but I, I bet some team will still give him a good contract to come in here and get like 100 targets at least. Uh, and if you can get back to playing like he did with freaking Blake Bortles uh, and even, you know, guys earlier before Justin Fields, I, I still think he's a pretty good value in free agency. Yeah, this this isn't really fair. But if we just look at 2021, Al Robinson was abysmal. Like he was garbage. Hey, and we talked about this every single week, like waiting based on the resume he had put together with awful quarterbacks. Like, hey, A-Rob, next week he can do it next week. But then like the more games and tape that you got to go back and look at he couldn't move like yeah. he he couldn't get down the field he 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 couldn't separate but he still has the size the experience to like go out there and hopefully win in isolation and i i really do feel like and maybe this isn't talked about enough with you know just nfl players in general because they're not robots like if you don't like where you are it is going to impact you on a daily basis on a weekly basis and it's pretty clear to understand why Allen Robinson probably hated to be in Chicago and was stuck there for years after year after year. Is that going to make him like super picky on where he ends up this next time? Or is he going to go and again, chase the highest number of contracts? I think the fit's important for him. Last year, I noticed him like running like a little more option routes and more slants than I was kind of accustomed to with him. And it just seemed like the timing and everything was just like completely off for him. So like this is like his last chance uh, he's 29 years old he should just probably sign 
the biggest deal he gets, but I'm hoping it's like the the right landing spot. I want him to like go high point balls down the field a little bit more than we were seeing. And that was like, I mean, that offense just com- completely made no sense to me because like Justin Fields and Allen Robinson downfield on paper sounds nice. It just never got to that point at all. So I would be picky if I was Allen, Allen Robinson, but this is basically his last chance because of uh, injuries and this uh, bad uh, last season he had. Yeah, if I'm Allen, I'm trying to let's, let's go sign a one year deal and I, I don't know. Kansas Prove City, it? Chargers, because because how old is he? Like what? He's 29. 29. 29. So if he has one good year with a contender, you can definitely trick some team to get into you like a three year bag next summer. Because uh, that's I think that's one of the cool things about Allen Robinson is he got to the league so young that we can talk about him in a sense where he had a really disappointing end to his time in Chicago. But there's still time for him to turn this thing around and get back to have yep. a productive season before it's over for him. Yeah, I, I know our buddies Nate and, and Robert on the Athletic Football Show mentioned the Chiefs with Allen Robinson. And that just makes sense. Charles, I'm right there with you because if you're going to go somewhere for like a one-year deal to to make it all better, he's also a type of pass catcher that they don't have on that team. You know, like you can have vertical burners, you can have Tyreek who wins everywhere. But like when it's dropping eight, when you need something for sure in the five to nine yard range, like Allen Robinson, Robinson could be like a real go-to guy along with Travis Kelsey in that area. So yeah, there, there's a fit that I like. I, I don't know if Alan would like this, but I, I kind of would like to see him go back to Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I, I threw this out there last night, Charles. And like, oh, I think it's, I think it's absolutely possible. I think it's possible, but I also, if I was Alan, I would have a hard time committing to that. Like I wish I could look into a crystal ball and see the world play out where I go back to Jacksonville before I actually do something like that. Cause they, they are terrible. But I, I think for, for what they need uh, and what Trevor needs, so and with it, it, it would it would make sense. Let's talk. Let's let's get Alan Robinson's agent on the phone. And see what he thinks about Jack. I'm, sure, I'm sure if we just tweet at Alan, he'll, uh, he'll respond. He has liked one of my tweets when I was, or I, I noticed that he was complaining about like the I forget which quarterback it was, but he went in there and he liked my tweet about the disappointment from his quarterback. Uh, the other yeah. note I had just real quick on this was like the free agency of the past, like wide receivers that leave for free agency the last couple years that. has been beyond brutal because like what we just saw with mike williams Devontae, and these other wide receivers like if you're a good wide receiver you do not leave those teams just too valuable of a position so like kenny galladay Corey davis curtis curtis samuel nelson aguilar i mean there was before that it was randall cobb robbie anderson emmanuel sanders brashad perriman before that golden tate tyra williams adam humphreys i mean the the track record of these free agent wide receivers when they leave is super bad. So we have to be really picky, especially for fantasy purposes. But I think that Allen Robinson is like very much circumstantial where I think I want to make the exception on it. But like, this is like kind of lingering in the back of my head that if a team is for sure willing to let him go, uh, that's kind of a bad, bad sign. All right. We've talked about Amari. We've talked about Allen Robinson. Let's quickly go through names. I think most likely returning to their teams, Charles Odell Beckham off his most recent knee injury. uh, And then Michael Gallup, who also, had a late season injury as well. Uh, yeah, I, I I think going back makes sense for both of them. Uh, to me, the most interesting part to me with, you know, the Dallas situation is I feel like you can just feel the anger radiating off of Jerry Jones like, with every single move that they're making. Like they're trying to move money around. We need to get Amari out of here. We're going to throw a bag at Michael Gallup. Like he's just like, something's got to be different because we can't have a team that good and still lose uh, in the first round. So, you know, Gallup, Going back to Dallas, uh, I would be a little wary about throwing a bag at him just because I'm I'm not like I don't I don't know if like if he and CD are like can lead this together. I, I believe in mm. CD, but 
Uh, we haven't seen Gallup play in a bit. And, you know, it's not like he's a, a bona fide, like, superstar like the other guys. So uh, I'm still intrigued in that. But, uh, yeah, to me with the Gallup stuff and, and the Cooper stuff, you can really just feel, like, the desperation that Jerry and Steven have with what's going on with this Cowboys team. I think slightly towards the end of the season, flew under a bit of the radar, but, like, some angst towards Kellen Moore. Like, once teams stop blitzing Dak Prescott so much, uh, he just wasn't nearly as effective. And maybe that's put on the the play caller who is relying on him to get to like that third or fourth option in his progressions versus creating space and openings for the first or second out there. Um, and now you're going to have fewer options maybe with an injured player and then one you're getting rid of to. Yeah. I mean, that, that's also a, a tough thing to kind of you know parse out in the middle of the season too. Like, yeah. okay, they stopped blitzing us. Well, now we got to basically change how we react to, uh, to everything. So I, I think that that's con- a little bit concerning when you have like a group of players as good as the Cowboys, because to a degree you're hoping if we can just get those guys in the field, then we should be able to be productive. But uh, I, I kind of think that, you know, if they can figure out a way to not decimate and gut the depth on this roster as they go through the offseason, I, I feel like we should, we should still be pretty high on the Cowboys going into the next year. All right, Hayden. So the name that actually might be the most popular in terms of making headlines and seeing his picture out there is Christian Kirk. Um, Christian Kirk seems to be headed towards a 10 to $12 million contract along the same lines as what Corey Davis brought in last year. Fair, unfair, and do any landing spots jump to mind with him? I think he's a very specific role because two years ago they tried him on the outside where he was just running all these go routes on the perimeter, and I'm not sure if he has like enough physicality or speed to do that. Now, vertical stuff from the slot that was pretty damn effective at times he is certainly not a number one i'm maybe he's a number two receiver but i think just like throwing the slot uh label on him is not um the one for one comparison because like there's a wide range of type types of slot receivers so he's got a, a very specific list of teams that maybe like the i know he like went to lunch with the bills like that would seem like be the perfect thing for fantasy purposes but I, i'm not sure exactly i just know that not every single team is gonna love Christian Kirk, but he is one of the younger guys on the on this list. He's only 26 years old, and um, he's at least been efficient with a good quarterback. But I think he's more of a number three target on a team, maybe not a uh, number one or legit number two. Yeah. I kind of feel like those types you should be able to find and not necessarily pay 11 to $12 million for, like Nelson Aguilar, Curtis, Curtis Samuel Money from from last offseason. But again, the market that he's in, that might, uh, that might qualify for it. Yeah, 78% of the time he lined up in the slot last season all right charles we hit on a bunch of those names there's plenty more out there some other free agents that we did not talk about are going to make an impact any catch your eye before we move on to another position uh i mentioned dj chuck earlier and i i still come back to him because you know he's he's another one of those guys where we talk about you know Allen robinson or guys who have produced in the past and uh it, it's just kind of hard to turn your brain off at that at, at the memory of that when they hit the market especially someone uh, like DJ Chark, I think he's only what 25 or going to be 26 this season. Uh, and he had a thousand yards and eight touch eight, eight touchdowns his second year in the league uh, as a 23 year old, you know, player with Gardner Minshew as quarterback. So uh, I think, you know, the, the injuries definitely hurt him last year and he hasn't been able to stay on the field really in any season that uh, he's been in the NFL. But the top end play from DJ Chark, like it looks like yeah. a special wide receiver. I don't know if uh, the consistency is always going to be there, but how many receivers, you know, can we go across in the league where now they might drop a pass every, you know, now and then, but 
you're talking about 6'4", 200 pounds, can run, jump. That, that Those guys are hard to find. Uh, when you have someone like that who, in theory, can make big plays whenever you want, I think that he should be pretty valued if he gets a clean bill of health coming back uh, into the offseason. An easy argument can be made that the DJ Chark injury was the first starting point that derailed the entire Jaguars offense last season because, well, one, you had Travis Etienne, but without Chark, there was no speed. Like we went out there every single week and Jamal Agnew had the most speed on that entire offense. And it was going to be Chark. You mentioned six, three size, about four, four speed getting down the field without that. It was LaVisca Chenault trying to body people underneath and then Marvin Jones winning contested catches. So just like the injection or the loss of that, with Chark would have helped and then absolutely did hurt them unequivocally. Yeah. Uh, I even remember um, when uh, I, I think it was the year Lamar Jackson won the MVP, the, uh, the, the Jaguars went to Baltimore for a game and like DJ Chark was the only person that had a sense of life. This is like when the Ravens defense was still the Ravens defense. Uh, so, you know, it, like I see something like that where one guy is just holding everybody up and it's kind of hard to get that in my mind. Charles, between MVS, Will Fuller and DJ Shark, kind of in the same bucket of receivers, all free agents. If you were a GM, you had to give them like all the same contract. Which one do you like out of that? I always think that MVS is kind of underrated. We always have those drops in our back of our mind on like the back of our head but i don't know he's got more size and, and speed than a lot of these guys i think that he's going to be like the surprise that gets a little bit more money but the will fuller shark dj or mvs kind of like all in that like same tier to me yeah it's tough because <laughs> none of them are really uh you know you can't rely on really any of them to stay on the field but i i think and maybe this is just a product of playing with aaron Rodgers and, and matt lafleur in that offense but i I, I just love the, the the massive plays that Marquez Valdez Gambling can create on like a moment's notice. Uh, even just not this season, but 2020, the, the previous MVP that Rodgers won, this guy averaged almost 21 yards per catch. And obviously that's not sustainable over uh, a large amount of targets, but you know, we're still talking about someone who's like the other guys, big, fast, physical, can run away, be a deep threat yards after the catch. So uh, I think I would go with him just because I, I feel like I've I've seen the cleanest you know way to repeat his production from Green Bay with Will Fuller. Like, are we even sure this dude like still likes playing football? Wants to keep playing football? It's kind of a weird spot that he is in uh, because he essentially just didn't come back last year. Yeah, and Charles, I think that's totally fair. But maybe potentially for the last time, let me make the Will Fuller case. Okay. okay. I mean, I'm still here for it, but I just, I, 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 I can't invest in it anymore. You know, I'll be happy if it happens, but I can't invest. That, I think that's the the beauty of us being on, on this side where we can just hype up a player and we're not have, having to get like our, our checkbook out and, and paying for them. I mean, Will Fuller is a special talent and totally understand the finger injury that kept him out for the entire season. It seemed like personal issues as well were at play there and really was like a one year prove it deal. albeit for a whole bunch of money, like $15 million then he proved nothing. But like back in 2020, <laughs> 11 games, 53 receptions, 879 yards, and eight touchdowns. Yes, that coincided with a really good season for Deshaun Watson. But let's not forget that was without DeAndre Hopkins. Like Will Fuller was the primary pass catcher on that team. He had the lowest average at the target uh, for his career at 13.3 yards. Um, that resulted in also the best yards after catch season he's ever had. He was awesome on screens. He was awesome in the intermediate areas, and we know that he's a burner vertically. So who knows? Like, truly have no clue how to pinpoint what the price tag could be on Wolfler this year, Hayden. But this is the player that I want to go 
to an amazing offense where he feels super motivated to get a big contract the rest of the season and land him with the Chargers, land him with the Chiefs, land him with someone who's going to throw down the field and not have him be this, you know, all the pressures on me or we're going to lose a whole bunch of games. I'm going to hate football because if so, I think someone's getting a really, really special talent. We need one of those for the Chargers. Like they, they need this exact wide receiver. Um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are, are both good at their roles, but like, let's get some like legit speed. And if 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 it's Will Fuller on the low, uh, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Not too many names left here. Just to bring up the likes of Jameson Crowder, Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios. You know my infatuation for Isaiah McKenzie. We just did a draft with Will Branson. People want to check it out on the channel. Isaiah McKenzie is going like in, in round 18. I think there's a chance in two weeks from now, if Cole Beasley's not on that roster, Emmanuel Sanders isn't on that roster. All you have to do is make the case of Isaiah McKenzie, Bill slot wide receiver out there, three wide receiver sets. And like his belief league wide, just get vaulted up tremendously because whenever he's been out there and been thrust into a big time role, he's produced. Charles, he's one of those guys in fantasy circles that's just like I can't get everyone enough. can't everyone cannot get enough of him. It's one of those players. Yeah, I, I it's funny though because when I when I you know started telling people I was coming here, they're like, "Oh, I didn't know you were into fantasy football like that." I was like, "I'm not really." Uh, me, my, <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll, you know? we'll close on we'll close on this comment then, Charles. But Juju, <laughs> because Juju was one of those players who was probably going to take a one year prove it deal other places, right? Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens. It was reported that he was close to those two organizations, went back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It so failed. Where are we at on Juju, who's probably, what, himself, Hayden, 26 or 27 at this point? Is he been that old? Juju sure. is 26. Okay. Uh, I, he's forever 24. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys who's forever 24. He's a, he's a Matthew Stafford of wide receivers to me. Uh, but with Juju, it, to me, it was like when you're going through the decision-making process last year, and he decided to go back to Pittsburgh. Everyone was like, what are you why? doing? Like, yeah. why would you do that? Because we all saw, for some reason, there's this mystique in Pittsburgh that maybe it's just like the air is crazy there because those people who live up there will believe anything about that football team. Like, they, I don't know how you could watch Ben Roethlisberger in 2020 and say, okay, 2021, this is going to be better because there's just no log- logical reasoning to believe that. Uh, so with Juju, I don't know. Um, I I. I tend to believe he's still talented, but you know it's been so long since we've seen him be like a really productive player that I'm not really sure even what he's good at anymore. And I think part of that is because the Steelers' passing game was so limited last year. Like, it wasn't it, it was like a borderline like high school offense where your offense, your your quarterback can't throw down the field at all. Like by the end of the season, you know, Big Ben was having games where he was throwing for like 2.5 yards per attempt, you know, three yards per attempt. So. I, I struggle to even figure out how to evaluate something like that. That's just so pathetic. But uh, I think just based on what he's done in the past, he's still probably worth a one-year deal. It's probably not going to be as much as he's looking for. But, uh, you know, a young receiver that has had that level of talent before, and you and you know, like, if you have a good number one, ideally Juju can be your number two, and that's a great offense. But it's been so long since we've seen that. I'm not sure. But I'd still be willing to take the dice roll. All right. Totally agree. We've done wide receivers. Final note, I see names like Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson out there. I know it's so easy to say, hey, let's get this wide receiver over to the Kansas City Chiefs, but they might be in play for for someone on a cheap deal. So just something to keep in mind. Okay, wide receiver's done. Let's jump on over to the running back position. Hayden, at the top, we'll send it over to you. We've talked about it. Cliff Kingsbury goes on the podium, says we're bringing back 
we would love to, either James Conner or Chase Edmonds. And whichever one does come back, Hayden, we know it's a massive role and a great offense. And I think I'm siding towards Conner as the likeliest here. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if James Conner and Leonard Fournette have similar uh, contract offers out there. Uh, I just think that if you're looking at the, the Cardinals, like their backups, Eno Benjamin, I do not think that he can play the James Conner role. I think that he's more of a Chase Edmonds replacement. And even if you didn't have that at all, Rondale Moore could be your gadget guy um, of the offense too. So I feel like the Cardinals would r- rather have James Conner, but I think that James Conner has that three down workload that some of these other backs on this free agency list just might not have. So I think he's going to be wanted. He's still 27 years old, came off like a huge touchdown season. Uh, but to me, the, it's at the top four or five running backs, Fournette, Connor, Penny, CPAT, Melvin Gordon. Then I think it's a massive drop off after that. So I think some of these guys are going to get a little bit more money um, than expected. But I hope James Connor goes back to um, the Cardinals so his ADP can climb about like 50 spots. He's like one of the, the lowest ranked guys. I cannot believe where he's being drafted in fantasy right now. Charles, talk to me about Cordero Patterson. You witnessed it every My single news. week. It, it could it work in a similar way with any other team? And I would say oh. no, because like, but they have to bring him back, don't they? The Falcons? I'm broke as hell. Uh, they have to, but I don't know if, if they can. And the thing with Cordero Patterson, because I remember last summer they're like building out the, the, the roster and the depth chart, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna use Cordero Patterson as a full time running back. I was like, oh, okay, like. I was I was interested in that like three years ago, but not not so much this year. And then he comes out, and I remember the first game versus Philly. Uh, I think it was like a stretch play or something, and he's you know reading the blocks and then cuts up field and explodes down the field. I was like, oh, this is I was like this is some real running back stuff. And it turned out that he was a lot better than Mike Davis for most of the season, which I, I had flipped you know coming into the year. Uh, but Cordero is is really interesting to me because you usually don't find guys who can make plays at the like the rate that he can make people miss run them over in the open field that are 31 years old but don't have as much mileage on them as other guys so like when you're talking about you know a 31 year old Cordell Patterson for next season like I based on last season I would still be pretty comfortable uh you know paying money for that and I think what was cool about that uh about what he did last season the the, the receiving skills were still there especially in the early part of the season where they were, I think they were a little bit more creative with him before they realized they needed him to be his full-time running back, or their full-time running back. Uh, and it's just kind of cool because for a decade, we've seen people say, man, if you just ha- put someone with that athletic and just give them the ball, what, what would happen? And they we tried to kick return, tried a wide receiver, and then the Falcons, basically out of desperation and having no money, put him back there at running back. And it turned out to be you know, one of the rare good decisions that they've made in like the past five years. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that they need to get him back um, because the offensive line is still far away. I, Mike Davis came on uh, and played better late in the season, but he hasn't really shown that he's someone that you can rely on to break uh, a whole bunch of tackles in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, I, I think you've got to get CPAT back and also upgrade the offensive line at the same time. But, you know, I think that CPAT would be a good addition to anybody in the league. And the Falcons somehow have laid up the blueprint for him being like a legit full-time running back. Hayden, I've never been this optimistic for a free agent 31-year-old running back. And, right. and I still am with Cordero Patterson. And in fact, I think if the Falcons had better wide receivers to put on the field, he probably would have played even more at running back because he was so successful there. But they had to move him around so much because they just had a complete lack of talent there because of injuries and and just the roster in general. That they were forced to, you know, use him as as this chess piece that they 
put from a whole bunch of, of different spots. I, I think you outlined it well, Charles, where their offense was so bad that Mike Davis getting hit three yards in the backfield and then turning that in just a one yard loss was the best that he could do. But mm-hmm. Quero Patterson was the most explosive player that they had out there that he was able to fit through those cracks and, and, and crevices and make explosive plays. They had no one else that could really do that. And maybe another person out there sees what he does with the ball in his hands and, and overpays for him. But the very least going back in the Falcons, if you're really, really good about how they've already used him. Yeah. I know he wants to go back. I know they want him back, but at the same time, there's no reason that they say that he should take a pay cut. Go get that bread, bro. Hey, anything on that? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just curious. Like, it's gonna be a coaching fit for me before I like, commit to him one mm-hmm. way or the other. I feel like he's a committee guy. The Falcons used him like four different ways. Like, like the first four weeks, he was like playing some wide receiver, and he was like actually mossing fools in the red mm-hmm. zone, which was like after like playing a snap in the backfield, then he'd go like in the slot and then go out uh, and score touchdowns. Then he was like the passing down back, and then he was like their goal line back. Like, they kind of like change his role. So I'm curious which one's actually gonna stick. But I'm with you. Like, ex- explosive back, one cut and just go. I think that he was good enough um, eventually to do that. So it's going to be very much landing spot dependent. But if it's back with the Falcons, like they literally just have no choice but to give him the rock a bunch of times. So that's what I'm looking for. Hayden, have we seen the best of Leonard Fournette? Because we saw how his career ended in Jacksonville, how it was resurrected after a bit of a delay that people forget about in, in Tampa Bay. But that was a winning organization with a great offensive line and a quarterback that set them up to be in the ideal spot. I don't think he will be able to go anywhere that gives him that exact environment that he thrived in really for the last, I don't know, year and a half. Yeah. If I'm a bad team and I'm like throwing the bag at Fournette, I feel like that would be a little scary. If he's like fully motivated, I think he can be a three down back still. He's not special at any of those things, but like you can do whatever you want with him. So if there's some team that's going to be competing in the playoffs, then maybe, um, but if he goes to like some shitty team, I'm not sure what I'm going to think about that. And this is like his, his last chance, 27 years old coming off, uh, two good seasons. He's going to probably going to collect the most money he can get. So, uh, for fantasy purposes, I think he can be a three down back. He proved that the last two years, even with some competition in down in Tampa. Um, but this is like another one was to be very much uh, landing spot dependent before I commit uh, too much one way. I guess when I view the rest of the running back spot, I'm trying to look for, you know, the best of what they've shown because at least at this position, the floor is basically impossible to predict because injury is that. And Raheem Mostert, I think, fits that category better than anyone else because, man, when he's out there, he just is a blazer. He is going to reel off 15, 20-plus yard runs. But then we've seen him be prepped and primed for that and then get injured in the first series and then miss the rest of the season. We just saw that with the 49ers, but you know, at 29 years of age, Raheem Mostert, no, I mean, could it just be like a three to $5 million contract? And, and that's what he gets. And he plays that out. Like that's very little to me to bring that much juice to your team. If you are, are, are looking for some type of player to add to your stable of running backs. So it's going to be Miami, like, right? Miami for most of it, right? I mean, I think so. And then even like Devontae Booker is also 29. But hey, we talked about in this show, like there were points I couldn't decide if it was Devontae Booker or Saquon Barkley 
running the ball. I don't know if that was necessarily that's a, a Saquon a, a issue. Pro a, for, a for Booker, that was a, a, a negative Saquon for Saquon. Issue. That's a Saquon so. issue. Okay. We've done wide receivers, running backs, over to tight ends. Charles, franchise tag, very popular for this group. There's other names. The young guys off of first-round draft pick contracts like O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, then the veterans like Rob Gronkowski and Zach Ertz. Any names you want to bring up there? Uh, I was going to bring up Ali Cox, but actually I think O.J. Howard is more interesting. I uh, I don't know if any one of you guys can claim that, but that's too bad. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, like O.J., we, we've seen O.J. be good in the NFL. Uh and I, I also, I'm, I'm like, I'm concerned about the fact that he's kind of disappeared the past couple seasons because, you know, we're talking about first round talent, 6'6", 260, ran almost a 4'4", I think. Uh, the athleticism is obviously there. He's made big plays. Uh, but, you know, he got stuck behind Rob Gronkowski and Cam Brate, which is like disappointing, but understandable at the same time. Uh, so to me, like O.J. Howard is probably one of the biggest wild cards free agency like if he's healthy and fully engaged and ready to go um I, I i don't see why you couldn't be you know a top 15 tight end in the nfl based on where the position is at right now and in, in terms of uh talent outside of like the couple guys like right at the tippy top uh it, it just kind of seems like in a, in a position where to me at least there's a lot of interchangeable guys someone with the upside of oj howard at this point in his career is pretty enticing because, because you know it, it's kind of like the 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 double side like the the coin of the unknown like this could be really bad but it could be really good if we take a swing on it josh you want to throw it out your it's every year it's it's the second contract tight ends why don't you lay out the case i know you're itching well, for this i, mean, every I year. could go through a whole list of these names but if you know i was running an nfl team i would be very thoughtful of scooping up first or second round talents that take a long time to adjust to the NFL and their original team and original fan base is kind of sick of them and feel like they haven't fulfilled their potential because that, you know, ceiling is, is still there. You mentioned OJ Howard. I'm going to bring up Evan Ingram. I mean, just looking at these two contracts, because all these guys were drafted together and, and Howard Ingram and, and David and Joku and Joku for his career has 148 receptions, 1700 yards, and 15 touchdowns. He's getting $11 million. Evan Ingram has 262 receptions, 2,800 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Now, I know that that's just counting stats, but I also feel like Evan Ingram, yes, hasn't done himself well with these drops, and those are so easy for fans to point to. But the usage the last few seasons, like Jason Garrett to everyone before then, give me a freaking break. Like If this guy was used exactly like Mike Gesicki, is used in Miami, I think that the production would be absolutely massive. Those roles are difficult to find, but I am still a huge believer in, in what Evan Ingram can bring to a roster. Oh, I'm I'm all the way in on Evan Ingram. Like I, I, I that's a good one to call back. Uh because it, it's just kind of like it's just a whole era of uh underachievement with that Giants team because I, I I remember when I, when I was there covering it uh, for the Daily News, I, I couldn't get past the fact that, you know, they have so many players that we know are good, like at, at, in some capacity. But the whole uh, operation was just terrible. Like, I don't think that, you know, Evan Ingram has forgotten how to make explosive plays and run after the catch. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I don't believe that he's magically just become this receiver that 
uh, catches zero touchdowns in this season. Saquon Barkley, the injuries might have caught up to him. Uh, but, you know, I, I still would like to see him with another chance with, you know, a more competent team and a more competent play caller. Uh, so, you know, to me, it, it's just like a, a team that had the pieces, but I, I don't know. Like the, the, the coaching was obviously really bad. Uh, Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, I mean, that was just an atrocious combo. They couldn't do anything last year. Uh, and to me, the, the whole offense was playing – I know they were injured, but most of the time they played worse than the sum of their parts. Uh, and I tend to think that when you see someone like Evan Ingram, the skill set is still really rare and hard to find uh, in today's game. I mean, if you're like, like you said, uh, you can put them the Jacecki uh, role. I think you could play him kind of like I land play Kyle Pitts this year. Uh, and that's the type of, you know, playmaker that we're talking about. Those are hard to find. And I, I think Giants fans are going to be a little surprised at what he gets paid on the open market. I totally agree. I would rather pay one of these like OJ Howard, Evan Ingram types than like one of these wide receivers. I feel like this is like the perfect time to scoop in. And I mean, they had Evan Ingram in the freaking Jason Witten role. Like it was just hitch routes and just absolute garbage on like third and 12. And like this throw out something out into the flats. I think, I think there's a lot more potential. So yeah, this is something I'm definitely buying into. I think that roll the dice on Evan Ingram or OJ Howard. Um, I would rather do that than like chase, like a Robert Tunyon or a Jared Cook, any of these types, like enough already. Let's just find like the young guy with at least some uh, athleticism. Yeah. yeah. And that last point, last point on Evan Ingram. I think when you, when you talk to Giants fans about how much they dislike him, uh, it, you have to remember the timing that these drops came in. Like a lot of them are pretty big key, like fourth, yeah. third, fourth downs, got to have it. And he dropped it. But for us, that all counts the same. One drop counts the same as the other. So I think we should still be all in on it. But I get why Giants fans absolutely hate his guts. Yeah, whenever I bring up his name, they're like, well, he can't catch and he can't block. I'm like, well, tell me, let me tell you like everything he can do. Yeah. <laughs> fifth fifth shortest average depth of target among all tight ends last year, only above Pharaoh Brown, CJ Uzoma, who's also a free agent, uh, Josh Deguara, and uh, excuse me, Josiah Deguara, and Jeff Swaim. Um, we mentioned some of the names up there. Kyle Pitts had an A dot of 11.2. Um, Mike Kosicki had one of 8.9. Just give me like a little bit. Heck, throw him over in the Zacherts role with the Arizona Cardinals and let him flourish. Let's like give that. a middle of the field explosive player to Kyler Murray. How about we give it to uh, Pyramid Doug, Dougie P in Jacksonville? They can I use mean, his tight end. Give us some speed, especially like put him exactly how Darren Arnold was used, was used last year and let's fly. Yeah, let's fly. Okay. Um, Hayden, final word of Rob Gronkowski, because I kind of feel like he's in a position without Tom Brady, not going to play in Tampa Bay. He's either going to clearly decide where he is going to play next year or just retire. Yeah, he threw out like the Bengals and the Bills I saw. I was listening to like the Bills um, like in, on the radio today and the Bills GM was on there and they asked him about Gronk and he just like talked up Dawson Knox like for five minutes in a row. So I don't think that we're going to get that. Uh, CJ Uzoma is a free agent, but he's been there forever. And like Charles said at the top of the show, like that's like the perfect guy. You can't let that dude walk. He's been there forever, has a productive year and then like let him walk. That'd be like classic Bengals. So I don't know where he's going to go. I think that he can play a little bit, but it's obviously going to be for a contender. Otherwise he has um, some partying to do in retirement, but it seems like he's at least open to it. But I think he's gonna be obviously extremely specific on where he goes. Yeah, a few other notable ones, at least to me, Tyler Conklin um, is an interesting name because whenever he was asked to play inline role, multiple tight end sets, he was uh, he was fairly productive there for the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, so we've done those groups. I guess we should end with 
the quarterback position. I mean, I some guess. of these some yeah. of these players, the likes of Mitchell Trubisky, Hayden, Marcus Mariota, backups for the last few years, just seeing spot time here and there because of the retirements and other teams just hating the quarterback position that they fell into in, in 2021 will sign these two names as starters. I mean, I'm down with Jameis Winston in New Orleans again. I can get behind that. At least we don't have to watch Taysom Hill if that happens anymore. Uh, Trubisky and Mariota, it's like the same type of bet. I think I would rather go with Mariota than Trubisky, but it seems like all the buzz from the combine is that Trubisky is like legitimately going to get a spot in that same interview with the Bills GM. He just talked about Trubisky the entire time, which is like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they have like the same agent or stuff, but like this Bills GM has just been hammering everybody about how dope of a person Trubisky is. But I, I kind of believe it. At least he has like some theoretical upside in a class that doesn't have much. And like these other guys, like Teddy Bridgewater, like I'm not sure if we want to do that again. I guess if you're a really bad team, roll the dice on Trubisky, but I'm expecting um, some bad things. I, Mariota seems kind of a little more interesting to me. Uh, than Trubisky personally. He's trying to get that compensatory pick. Uh, that's, that's probably <laughs> it. <laughs> Drive up that value. <laughs> Every, hey, you guys haven't seen Mr. Trubisky in a year. He's still he's good, guys. Yeah, he doesn't remember. Uh, I, I think I, this this free agent class for quarterbacks is uh, pretty trash. But I feel like there's there's like different types of quarterbacks here. Like if you're trying to potentially find someone who can start for a few years, uh, I think that James Winston is probably the best bet, or maybe even Marcus Mariota uh, if he can. Just stay healthy, uh, which is probably just an impossible uh, ask at this point. But then there's also like the veteran uh, guys where I like to call them. We just need to start looking like a football team again, guys. Uh, <laughs> and like if Seattle signed Tyrod Taylor today, I'd be like, oh, that, that makes sense. That works. Uh, if, uh, you know, another one of these teams that is not close to being uh, competitive, but their quarterback situation is like unacceptable in terms of evaluating the rest of the roster. Yeah, you, you can sign Andy Dalton. Uh, but in terms of like actual long-term starting options, I think James Winston is probably like the only one that you can actually sell a fan base on. Like, hey, if this if things work out and for the you know eighth year in a row, we say if he stops turning interceptions, uh, stops turning the ball over, then uh, this can work out. Then maybe you can sell a fan base on that. But to me, this just looks like a whole lot of guys that are backups or uh, you're starting them for a year with the purpose of starting them for exactly one year. He was a bit neutered last year with Sean Payton, where they just did not allow him to throw down the field at all. Yet he still had those three to four plays per game where he's like, I'm going to go full Jameis and do the loop-de-loop in the backfield and like throw the ball straight up in the air or try to extend this play. And I love when we got to see that again. Um, I also Mm -hmm. believe, like take the Indianapolis Colts, for example. They hate when their quarterback wants to try to carry them and it leads to awful decisions and and major mistakes that they might try to go to like the opposite end of the spectrum here and get someone who just doesn't screw up like the likes of Teddy Bridgewater or Marcus Mariota like Marcus is it's easy to forget a super conservative player and he just does not want to try anything big down the field unless it's absolutely wide open and just wants to like carry out hopefully what the offensive play caller is putting out there for him, uh, which, you know, is kind of a quarterback that will land you in purgatory on some level. But I kind of feel like Hayden Frank Reich might not want to move on from Carson Wentz, but obviously Chris Ballard and company feel that Wentz's pitfalls and downfalls force them out of the playoffs. 
Yeah, the problem when you're uh, Frank Reich is you're not the owner. And Jim Ursay was like literally out there tweeting about how much he didn't like Carson Wentz. So he, I think he's gone. I think Carson Wentz is probably like the top free agent. It seems like he's going to get released um, because of his contract. I don't know. Like to me, like Jameis, Carson Wentz, like none of these guys are solving any of your issues. Like you're putting a bandaid on this. Maybe you pair him up with like Malik Willis and like Malik needs some time. And these guys are available, but like none of these guys are going to be sniffing the playoffs. I would be very surprised. I'm going to call it right now. Marcus Mariota to the Seahawks, just like that part of town. They have the fit. He wants a job, and he'll just beat out Drew Locke. And like, I guess that's hopefully. <laughs> I guess <laughs> <laughs> the funny, like, the, I, I feel so bad for Marcus because I I don't think he's like washed or can't play anymore. No. Because I remember when he came in for Carr. I think it was the the game against the Chargers on like Thursday yes. night last year. Dude, he came in and they started running that read option. They had no idea what hit them. And then, like, two runs in, he gets hurt. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Like, you're, you're still good. Just stay up, stand up. That, um, uh, that meme that's going around. Okay. So I think we finished quarterback. I have a take. My take is where Teron Armstead signs could potentially dictate who the number, number one overall pick is going to be. Because I think they're two choices here with Teron Armstead, obviously the former left tackle with the Saints. It's either Miami Dolphins, and I think a lot of people are pointing him there because of the cap space and the need that they have, or it's Jacksonville. And Teron, when healthy, and he's missed quite a bit of time as of late, is easily a top five, six left tackle in the league. I mean, he can do everything. He can pull out in space, a la Trent Williams, uh, or he can lock you up one-on-one, like true athlete who's also apparently great with his teammates, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville is that spot, if they're like in love with Hayden, Aiden Hutchinson and say, hey, we can't get both spots, so let's lock up one in free agency. Pretty easy to do that with Tehran and then go and get the pass rusher there at number one overall. So just be on the lookout for that. Josh, you forgot. They already locked up their left tackle. They, they yeah. pressed Dan Robinson. What, <laughs> I, was, you, I, was what waiting, I was waiting to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they're good I don't now. think that that's going to last. <laughs> well, they're paying him like it's going to yeah. last. They, they don't have to yet. If they I'm, don't have to I'm yet. signing that tomorrow, let, bro. <laughs> let, let's not forget the, the, the Josh Norman saga with the Carolina Panthers where he was franchise tagged and then never played another down for them. So you'll have to, yeah, if, I'm, if I'm Cam Robinson, you'll have to hurt me before I can't sign that. <laughs> Ain't no way I'm letting that just disappear into the wind. Uh, any other names you guys want to hit? Rapid fire, defensive players, anything. Like Hassan Reddick is a, is a name to me where over the last, what, two seasons, this is a guy who's racked up sack total after sack total, 23 and a half sacks, uh, was on a one-year prove-it after proving it his final year in Arizona. Undersized. There were times in Carolina with both he and Brian Burns just getting run over, but you know teams pay for sacks. So the likes of Son Reddick and Harold Landry, who's probably going back to Tennessee, should absolutely be getting paid in this window. This is the time for them. Yeah, I, t- I don't know if you saw it, but during the show they said that uh, Harold Landry uh, will not be getting a tag and he's going to hit free agency. Got it. Twenty-five year old. He's about to get a bag. Yeah, for uh, sure. But they said the Titans are still going to try to work out something long term. But, you know, if it's not done by Monday, then he's going to hit the market. Well, and even with the Titans, that became their identity towards the end of the year. And especially in the playoff game against against the Bengals, like racking up sack after sack. And it was Autry, Simmons, Landry and Dupree. 
And so if that starts to fade away, then that really shows you like, hey, this is, was our window to win with that moment of front four and having them all under contract at the same time. My last free agency take, I think JC Jackson might get the most money. Him and Teron Armstead seems like those two top of the class. Um, JC Jackson, Chargers. Like I, I just want to fix the Chargers, man. Like This is the roster that like you've put like three pieces in and like all of a sudden – they're really ready to go. But I feel like I say this for like the last couple seasons, but JC Jackson, you can say that every year about Chargers. the Chargers. I mean, it's I'm not going to be wrong. One of these years, it's the, you know, the, the three trip or the triplets, the Falcons in the Southeast, you got the Vikings up North and the Chargers out West. That's that's, they're all in the same time. Uh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm interested to see what happens with Tyra Matthew too. Cause I, uh, I don't know if the chiefs are going to sign him back, but I, I think that he's definitely proved that, he can come back and play at obviously a really high level. And we'll just have to see, you know, who's willing to throw a bag. I guess at a 30 year old, you know, free agent safety at this point. All right. That's going to do it. Thank you everyone tuning in. Charles busy week for you. Yeah. Tyler's show tomorrow. Debatable yep. on Thursday. Thursday. And then, uh, you'll get cracking on this new show with the, uh, I, I think I told you guys about the first episode. It's going to be wild. Yes. Again, we'll have a whole bunch of free agent videos popping off the channel next week. Hey, now we'll be back on Thursday with another show. The PFF Brad will be hopping on to uh, have an expert on the numbers. And Hey, now just nod our heads and be like, yeah, that sounds Mm -hmm. smart. Two plus two. Here to ask good questions. That's it. Uh, Appreciate you, everyone in the chat. Nick, Doom, Travis, Charles, Dustin. Before you get out of here, smash the like, thumbs up subscribe button, and we will talk to y'all soon. See ya. Rise up.